0: Uh, I'm Michael, and I'm a part of the Alex Park missional community, and I love geeky films, uh, Marvel films in particular, uh, like The Avengers. The last Avengers film that came out actually has almost broken $3 billion at the box office, which is a huge amount of money. Um, but they say they actually get more money not from the box office, but from merchandise, from kids and, and grown adults buying toys of like these little heroes, um, and on the screen, we should have a selection of some of these. Oh wait, these are these are imitations. Have you got the wrong slide? Wait, this, these are imitations. Um, these are actually uh, fake Marvel products. So If you go on the last one, we've got. If you love the Incredible Hulk, we've got an example of the Incredible Fella. Um, who needs a Rocket Raccoon when you've got a regular Raccoon? Um, some amazing and Token Girl, obviously. We've got some amazing figures there. Um, But these are imitations. These are just imitations. Um, Imitation products can make a whole lot of money. Um, uh, Put your hand up if you would have had no idea if I hadn't gone through those, that these are actually imitations. They've got one. Absolutely. (laughs) No idea. Uh, To the world, um, everyone will forget about all those imitations. Um, They can make a lot of money, but they're still total trash. Um, And what we're going to hear today is that the world will forget about those imitations. Um, The passage we've just read is about a God that, um, when revealed to the world, all other fake gods, uh, all other fake gods, the imitations will, and his presence uh, that was always there, they will see the true magnificence of God. Uh, They just didn't see. And we start by looking at people that did see his magnificence, um... Uh, but we're rendered so weak. And we'll see, I'm going to move this up actually. And we'll see this weak people will be reestablished to live in a peaceful, worshipful relationship with their reigning God. God will make his people a restored people. The immediate fulfillment of Micah's prophecy um, will see Israel, who at this point in history are, uh, are soon to be exiled in Babylon. Um, the word, uh, it's in verse 6. I will gather the lame, I will assemble the exiles. The word lame isn't talking as such about a physical disability, but a weakness in comparison to those they're going to be imprisoned to. But God will reverse that and restore them by bringing them out of Babylon. Verse 6 also says, And those I have brought to grief, it is the Lord's doing. He is the one who drove Israel away and imposed the suffering they're going to go through. If you read back to most of the books preceding Micah, it'll show you how bad Israel was uh, to have their God tell them that they're going to be given away to his enemies. Verse 7, I will make the lame my remnant. But the same people in which he gave weakness, he will spare those driven away, a strong nation. The same people he will drive away, he will bring back and make them strong. People that are driven away or uh, are driven into retreat or are captured and removed from their land, they're not strong, but God will make them strong. People that won't have armies just storm um, into their land and, and remove them. Uh, God will restore his people to a state in which Israel is powerful again. What? Powerful and strong? As in they have more weapons and soldiers than any other nations? Let's have a look at verse 3. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. No longer will this people be at war. In fact, there is no more use for war. God has made war useless. They need no weapons. Their toil, instead, is directed towards agriculture and production, the making of material goods and beauty. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Disputes and pride they come from um, have been eradicated so that they'll be no longer, uh, they will no longer train for war. They not only uh, aren't equipped for war, but they're also not even being trained for war. What a restoration that God's people don't even have to consider the possibility of any threat. There are currently 20 aircraft carriers um, that are in service around the world. 20 aircraft carriers uh, from 12 different navies. No prizes for guessing which navy has the most. Uh, Obviously it's America. But I want to ask you, uh, how many of the 20 aircraft carriers does America have? Any ideas? 17? Oh, you've kind of ruined my point now. You've gone too high. Um, It's 11. That's still ridiculous, isn't it? 11 out of the world's 20 aircraft carriers uh, America has. Uh, But... That's a $194.1 billion budget for the United States Navy. That's not even including the Air Force and the Army, that's just the Navy. Um, Imagine what the world would look like if those swords and spears were beaten into tools. The whole world's $1.6 trillion military spending into tools for development. The medium-term uh, fulfilment of Micah's prophecy plays out for us in the church age uh, today. It's the need for Jesus to reverse the consequences of sin and to gather us into his restored people. How often do we live in a way that makes out that we restored ourselves uh, or that we are going to restore others? Live like it's, it's not God who establishes the nation when we trust so much in our own ability to evangelise, or we don't trust in our own ability to evangelise, either way, we should be trusting God will do the restoration. It doesn't say, in these verses, you will gather the lame, you will assemble the exiles, but God will do those things. So when you feel weak and lame in comparison to those around you, when you, when you look at the task um given to you of telling the surrounding nation about this gatherer of the lame. Um, Ensure you remember that you have been assembled by God, specifically placed by God on your street next to your neighbours, chosen by God to be among your relatives, and organised by God into your workplace, assembled by God into that knitting group, onto that Facebook group that you comment on. He may have been weak, but now are restored by God. So let him establish his nation through you. And as we saw earlier, it was God who subjected us to that weakness in the first place. If you're a Christian, then you, you understand that we deserved nothing less, as we're as fickle um, and idolatrous as Israel was. But God reversed the consequences of, consequences of sin for us and made us a strong nation. If you looked at any one of us sat around today, you'd think, (sighs) what is Redeemer going to do for Cholton, for God's kingdom in Cholton? Like scattered sheep, we're hopeless. But we're not scattered sheep. We have been assembled. We have been assembled, in verse 7, into a strong nation. We aren't a bunch of individuals, we are together a strong nation. God ordains that himself, as he says in first person, and those I have brought to grief, I will make the lame my remnant. Those driven away, a strong nation. So together, as the local church, let's be with each other, assembled as God intended, eating together, praying together, sharing God with those that didn't know him or don't know him together. Make sure you're involved in a missional community as this is the centre of where all of that plays out in Redeemer. The community in missional community meaning um, a bunch of restored people stronger and more effective missionally when assembled with others in the nation, in his nation. And we come to the blacksmith transformation. I like that, that title, blacksmith transformation. Uh, the uselessness of equipping and training for war Uh, but instead laboring for creativity rather than destruction this prophecy is fulfilled now that in in the church although it's sometimes illustrated as, as soldiers the church is not at war the spiritual battle between us and God is over he's restored us he's already won we should live in a way that shows we believe that. Let's not respond to attack on ourselves with anything but love. When I experienced the first sign of attack at, at my work, um, knowing that I couldn't respond in attack back, I just kind of wanted to flee. I uh, applied, I filled out another job application and sent that off. My, my reaction was to flee, and that was probably just as bad as, as attacking. Um, God's already won. We know he will be exalted above all. So where you're given persecution, and you will be, don't respond violently, but the opposite. Respond with restored actions. Be generous to them and invest in them. We don't need to prepare for a fight with anyone. Do you ever script an argument in your head? Um, It might be an argument you've had or will have, and, and you keep playing over the things that you might say to them, um, so that your opponents are, are defeated under your awesome logic. Um, they're wrong and you're right and you just look great. Um, well that's, that's filth. Um, it's living as though there's still a battle to be had. But we've got peace with the one we were at war with. We are his restored people. So pray that God will change your thinking. To a mind not of destruction but of creativity and developing that that demonstrates your peace with God. As we've looked at how Micah's prophecy played out for Israel during his day and thought about what it means for us in the church age, we look finally at the future fulfilment of Micah's prophecy and it will, it will see us assembled in the new creation as a strong nation living in peace. Uh, like never before, Jesus will reverse the consequences of sin and there will no longer be any reason to fear because there are no weapons, be that physical Emotional or spiritual that will harm us we will be fully restored by God and we look now at where that will happen we have in this place uh, in this passage a place called Zion uh, Zion is a physical place and we can find it on Google Maps it's the tallest hill in which uh, the first buildings of the city of Jerusalem were built and King David's palace was also built uh, but it also represents the place in which uh, Jesus will reign over the earth and be with his people. With all to see how great God is and how great the relationship he has with his people. So that being said, for Micah's time, the vision was talking about this Mount Zion uh, in which would be revealed, revealed so all could see it. Have a look at verse 1. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains We're not talking about a geological change where the actual mountain Jerusalem is built upon is physically pushed up, but more really an unveiling. Uh, Mount Zion is there, but nobody cares. It's invisible um, because the surrounding nations think it's insignificant. As I said before, Zion actually represents um, a place where God is, a place in which he meets with his people and his people encounter God there. When Zion is revealed, all people will see it and be drawn to it. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Any current opposition to the glory of Zion will be dwarfed in comparison to it. People will flow like water to it. And Babylon, um, Israel's biggest rival at this point in history, had people uh, boat to it on the Euphrates River. Uh, they will go on this pilgrimage to the incredible city of Babylon to wonder at its magnificence. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, uh, which weren't actually in existence when this book was written, um, what is it? They're, they're one of the, like, the world's uh, top seven wonders, aren't they? Which kind of tells you how amazing Babylon actually was. Um, people will no longer boat to Zion's rivals, but will flow and stream to Zion. Zion is the heart of the earth and the people like blood rushing back to that heart. If you've seen United play at Old Trafford, um, if not, you'll probably have been tragically disturbed by the traffic at some point. Uh, But if you have gone, you've probably driven there and then walked for a little bit, or you've got the tram and you've walked for a little bit, or like me and Tim did a few months ago, we cycled as close as we could get and then we walked for the last kind of mile or so. And you can just see... Uh, for that mile, hundreds of people just coming into Old Trafford. And as you get closer, um, you just see hundreds of policemen as well, and police officers, um, because Tim can be a bit of a ruffian. <laughs> um, and if you zoom out a little bit, and think about the international fan base of United as well, um, they, they just come in from all over. At my last church, there was one day uh, 20 visitors from Scandinavia, That had come just to come to the country solely to see United, um, as a few of them did every single year. Um, Like a little pilgrimage, people of all nations come into Manchester. People will flock to God's revealed place in millions. Verse 8 As for you, watchtower of the flock, meaning the strength of David's ancient kingdom. Uh, stronghold of daughter Zion and daughters and women representing stability and the building up of society, and obviously, strongholds obviously representing security as well. Uh, Micah is saying, You people that cling on to the former glories of Israel uh, and live as though Zion is as it always was, the former dominion will be restored to you, the former glory of Israel will be revealed. And everyone around will see it. Verse 4. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree. And no one will make them afraid. With the restoration and revealing of Zion, there will be no fear. No longer any other nation to intimidate. Israel in its former glories was a place that nations would come and marvel over its wonders and over its God. But that was temporary. Israel knowing the finite nature of what it was, uh, of what was and then was taken away. When Zion is revealed again, there will be no fear. There will be no one in opposition. Because God, because everyone else sees Zion for all its glory. No fleeing to the stronghold. Zion has been revealed. And so they just sit in peace in the place where God's presence resides. And for the church today, um, God has revealed his kingdom to us. We can see it. In the relationship we have with Jesus, he has reversed the consequences of sin. And we can now see how humans and God can be in relationship. We don't yet see God's kingdom coextensive with creation. There's no geographical location in which God's presence is particularly heightened. Um, but Jesus, in his mercy, has opened our eyes And we can see in in, in which we can have a relationship with him. Because of that mercy he had on us, he lives with us, within us. Before Micah's prophecy is fully established, the place in which um, all nations can see Jesus um, is in us Zion in us. Although at this moment we can see his kingdom and he's revealed to us, what can everyone else see? When people look at you, can they see God's kingdom? Does your life look like God has made his dwelling among humanity? Or do you look the same as everyone else? People should look at God's people and be in awe. They look at the place God has lifted up higher than all and see abounding grace, an incredible generosity, an overflowing peace. That people flow and stream to believers. To get a taste of God's kingdom. In comparison to the alternative, whatever today's Babylon uh, might be, people should see you, the place of God's dwelling, and forget about all those imitations of God. The spiritual imitations of his revealed place. A good amount of Cholten, um subscribes to the postmodern modern um, idea of there being many ways to God. And all the religions get to to the same place. People out there need to need reveal to them that there is only one way um, into God's presence. Live gloriously, blamelessly and generously. Live not at war but in peace. That the people around you see Jesus in you and see the only way into God's presence. All those physical limitations out there, material wealth, which isn't a bad thing, it ends up being a substitute for that union with God. The people were flocking to Babylon because of its wealth, but they were going to the wrong place for all the blessing that comes with that wealth. Without God's presence, they're just empty riches. Live like those Israelites did, as though dwelling with God isn't currently overshadowed by all of the riches out there. You don't have to keep a secret that you seek God's presence. Tell people about you getting to know God more when you read the Bible. Be that weird person that chases after getting to know God when there are physical riches on the table as an alternative. Tell people how you rest in his presence here on a Sunday morning rather than catching up and sleep and resting with a huge lion as an alternative. We want, people, we want to see people flowing to churches. We shouldn't, um, especially this morning, we shouldn't base the success of Redeemer based on how many people are sat in these seats, uh, but we should be praying that God's kingdom is revealed to Cholton so that they flow to Redeemer. People that previously didn't know him are streaming to Dulcimer not for those delicious IPAs or salted pistachios sold at the bar, but for being around God. For being in his dwelling place. For singing his praises. To listen to these sermons so they too can be a dwelling place for the one lifted on high. And when do we live as though there are better and bigger alternatives to being in God's revealed place? when we'd rather do this than go to church. Believe it or not, this is it. God is here with us now. His kingdom is here. This is it. These sticky floors and probably some broken glass in the corner and cramped walls. This is it. Enjoy it. You can think of where you'd rather be right now, who you'd rather be with, or remember that encountering God in his revealed place is far greater. We want Chalton not to be... Famous for having loads of great bars and restaurants and innovative art and community togetherness. But for a place where people can find God. Where people can come to his revealed place, meet his restored people and see his kingdom for what it is. We look to the future and hope for the time when God will bring heaven and earth together. As the prophecy played out in Micah's day, the people of Jerusalem were exiled and then God restored them and they were brought back out of exile. Eventually Jerusalem was rebuilt and the walls were rebuilt and the temple was rebuilt. Those past victories, together with the present lack that is today in the present, people um, can't yet see God or the whole earth can't yet see God. Uh, These two give us hope in the day that when this will be the case when everyone will sit under their fig tree and not be afraid because we know everyone can see his glory in the approachable mountain of Mount Zion and there was another there was another mountain in which God made his dwelling for a short period of time it was called Mount Sinai and God enveloped the mountain in smoke as he'd come down on it in fire the mountain was unapproachable to think about Mount Zion being the place of God's dwelling that is completely approachable so much so that people will flow to it in this age God has made his dwelling among us our final point is that with the knowledge that the God who restored us also dwells with us he would be our reigning king the reigning king uh, we know that God is sovereign and that he reigns over us Um, and that he reigns over all. But in the last days, when all nations, everyone will see him for who he is in full, all humanity will conduct themselves as such. Verse 7. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. Once he has revealed himself to all, he will be our king for all eternity. Verse 2. Many nations will come and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. It's the temple of the God of Jacob. Many nations. That's not just the Jewish people in Micah's day. Um, that's not just us as well. Plus it's, it's a whole bunch of people out there that God currently hasn't revealed himself to. And then these people aren't saying, so these people are saying, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Um, they're not forced to go on this pilgrimage to God. God isn't twisting their arms so they, they draw into a close relationship with him. They are encouraging each other to do so. Guys, let's go to the temple where God is so that we can know him more. Being in a band setting as both a drummer and a piano player at different times, um, I noticed years ago that from behind the drum kit, if you give an idea to the band, it just gets shot down because your ideas suck. <laughs> But when you're behind the piano, it's just a totally different story. People will bow down to your, your musical theory prowess and they will submit, submit to your leadership. Same person but different roles and it's just kind of amazing. Um, but they'll, they'll, they're willing to submit to a, a piano guy but not a drummer. These restored people are willing to follow God and are focused uh, on having their king reign over them Encourage each other towards him. Expect for your church family to push you towards meeting with us. To ask if you missed coming together um, in the week. And if you can avoid it, don't miss out on a Sunday gathering. Don't miss out on a missional community gathering. He is our king and he reigns over us because he is absolutely magnificent. Remind each other of that all the time. If that's what we're going to be doing forever and ever. Let's start now. Verse 2 again, the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jesus' presence won't be localised among Israel, but the word we know to be Jesus will be taking the news out to all nations. Our reigning king is actually doing the work himself. He's the one telling the world about how to be with him. Verse 2 again, he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. And having had the place revealed to them by the king, they go so that the king will show them how to be like him, how to live a life like Jesus did. Let's get closer to him so he'll show us how we can be as glorious as he is. That's what they're saying. What a great reigning king we have that all his subjects will be willing followers They want to be more like him. Not only do they want to follow Jesus and be uh, more like him, but it will also go on forever. Verse 5 says, All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In Micah's day, Babylon looked prosperous, but where is it today? We're told here that walking in the paths of God's um, imitations won't last. However, God will reign forever. Walk in the paths of your reigning king and you'll be walking with your reigning king forever. In this age, ungodly ways seem to reign. People that live in a way opposing God and his ways seem to prosper Sometimes even other religions seem to gain more favour than when we walk in God's ways. But it won't last. It is temporary that God's rivals will walk in their ways. Redeemer, as you live in God's ways, that is permanent. It's forever and ever. So live knowing that even if sometimes it looks like it looked for Israel just before they were exiled, um, You are living for permanence, not for a temporary prosperity. Getting involved at any Redeemer gathering is not just a two hours on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. It's a part of God reigning over you forever. And through these gatherings, He will shape you into someone more like Him until His kingdom is fully established. And we come to the table To remind ourselves of the cost of God reigning over us, the cost of our peace with God. What it took for God to remove the affliction from us, His body was broken, and His blood flowed, so that we could have our eyes opened. And we could flow to him. If you're a believer here with us this morning, then uh, please join with us and eat this as we sing a few songs uh, next. Um, if you're not a believer, then just hold back on this one and just think through some of the ideas we're going to be singing about. Uh, let me pray. Lord Jesus we come to you as a broken people that have chased and continue to chase after imitations of you for removing our well-deserved judgments. We thank you for removing our blindness that we can see you and that we can see the barrier you broke down between us and what it costs to do that. We thank you for going out of your perfect union with our Father to take on our affliction and break down that barrier. And Lord, we praise you and pray we would live with our eyes fixed on the heavenly mountain and pointing each other towards that union with you. And in that, we would continue to live in hope and live prayerfully, contemplating the day in which heaven and earth become one and the whole world sees you as the reigning king. Amen.